0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod. What was that?
1: Whiskey.
2: Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from the Lost in Translation podcast. I almost forgot what the name of our podcast was because we haven't recorded for two months. But uh, we're, uh, yeah, we're back. We're recording. It's... Uh, summertime the oilers are in the conference finals although they lost tonight but it's uh it's good times all around and uh we got a we got we got a really cool guest today it's a it's a brand that uh me and travis have have connected with and we finally have product in alberta that we're getting prepared to launch um and that's broken barrel so today we've got seth Benheim from Brokenberry is the founder, he's the he's the barrel breaker, he's pretty much everything behind the brand as far as I can see. Um, Seth, Seth and I, like we we've been chatting for I don't know, it feels like a couple of years now. Just yeah,
3: like almost two.
2: Yeah, we've been doing the Instagram thing. I've been part of the the Grand ambassadors which I think is a really cool concept. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But um, I've I've always I've always had kind of a soft spot for Broken Barrel, so it was really cool when finally we uh, we started talking. I think it was last fall, about the yeah the possibility of bringing Broken Barrel to Canada, and we're we're like thirty days or yeah a month out from that, which is pretty cool. So how you doing, man?
3: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm great, man. Thank you for having me on the podcast, guys. Uh, looking forward to. Drinking with you guys and looking forward to launching in Canada with you guys. It's pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Are we your first international
3: market? You guys are literally taking the brand out of the country. I think we had a little bit of special order stuff going on in Ontario prior to this launch coming up, but it was very small. I mean, maybe not even a pallet of products. So, um, and that company kind of fell apart, I think, during COVID. So it's... Uh, this is kind of our first real official.
2: Ontario Ontario ones are like they're narcissistic liberals over there, so we don't really pay attention to what they're doing. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, it's 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 cool. I, I feel like it's been a, we've been chatting about it for a while, and it's it's been a long time coming, and we finally got the product here. Like I said, we got lots to go around, and and we partnered with Wine and Beyond and Ryan Engen to uh, to launch this brand, which is super exciting. So big 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 things coming on yeah super stoked. Um, so to start these podcasts we always like to make our guests talk about themselves and and kind of just just walk us through walk us through how it all started for you Seth um, you've got a couple flourishing brands in, in the US and uh, yeah I'm curious to see where it all began and, and how it became what it is
3: uh sure yeah yeah uh... Well, I started the brand at a pretty young age, 24. So this year will be my 10th year in the business. So uh, 2022, we started in 2012 and I quit my job and went into business, got some friends and family money to kind of make our first run of vodka. And we wanted to create, I wanted to do this vodka where I'm so used to saying we, because everything's we, it's all a team. But back then, it was actually just me. So I could say I. I uh, I started the vodka um, with the intention of you know doing this all natural, like fruit in the bottle, single bottle infusion, no added like sugar, no added artificial stuff, just making it natural and doing it in a way where people can really just enjoy their vodka. Um, you know, like the kind they get at a bar that was infused by, I thought, you know mixologist bartender type person but to be able to buy that on the store shelf and just take that home and have that quality of a product you know versus all the sugary artificial stuff that was on the shelf that's how it started and then um one of my first investors was a scotsman who uh showed me scotch and introduced me to scotch world and as we all know scotch is awesome and so that stuck with me for ever you know for the, the entirety of then till now uh i'm still buying the scotch you know every almost every every week i'm buying a bottle of scotch so um i loved it i loved whiskey i loved working with him and, and getting to know the industry from his eyes and from his kind of vantage point of of whiskey you know and independent bottling private label that sort of stuff and so about five years after we launched the vodka together, um, I did come out with our first whiskey called Broken Barrel Bourbon under the name Infused Spirits, which is the parent company. And then from there, you know, we're five years later now and Broken Barrel is its own brand. It's I I should probably count at some point. I think we've launched about 12 or 13. Well, no, probably closer to 15, 16 different whiskeys now. A lot of those are limited edition or special releases, but... Yeah, we've got, uh, probably four core whiskeys, two of which we're going to drink tonight. And then we've got four reserve oak whiskeys that are um, kind of like our private barrel program type thing. And then we've got a handful, probably a dozen of different limited edition releases, actually probably pushing 20 now that I think about it, like 20 different products we've released um, in broken barrel alone uh, just in the last few years. So that's an exciting, you know, journey we've been on in the last decade uh, to get to where we are now yeah that's incredible that's like the
2: I don't even know that I've tried any of your vodkas I was actually looking for it last time I was in the U.S. and I couldn't find any um but I've, I've heard from like I've heard from from friends down south and stuff that they they really enjoy it and that the the, the infusing that you do is like it, it comes off like a very natural flavor it doesn't come off like an artificial flavor which yeah it's fruit not like candy yeah and that's and that was obviously your goal and like for me i i can't stand artificial flavoring anything so it's uh yeah but uh, if you have to probably send us some at
3: some point yeah box, if it's vodka you vodka may actually want to buy anything. Like not, not i know i don't think any of us there would call ourselves like probably wear like a, I'm a vodka drinker t-shirt but you know, and I own a vodka company and I still probably wouldn't wear that shirt. But, you know, (laughs) uh, that said, um, this is a vodka you'd want to drink and a vodka that you can really, you know, go, okay, that's a vodka that needs to exist and needs to be, you know, if you're going to drink vodka, this is the kind of vodka you should be drinking because it's delicious. It's none, none of that crap is in there that you don't want and, you know, it makes great drinks. It's affordable. It's good looking. And so, and the concept alone is just kind of really intriguing. So those those things kind of all add up to, uh, to basically be, like, this perfect storm. And I think with Broken Barrel, it's kind of similar. Like, we're trying to give people, like, nothing to turn them away. So it's really giving people, like, the best product, the best price, the best package, the best, you know, process of how we're making it. And, you know, throw a little story in there, you know and you've got yourself hopefully all the all the check boxes
2: checked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm sure you got to wear two different hats when you're talking about those products because whiskey people generally don't give a shit about white spirits and white white spirit drinkers typically don't drink a ton of whiskey, but they're yeah, as far as I know, they're both very quality products. When um so when you were starting Broken Barrels, so I'm I'm curious like obviously you were infusing vodka with with real fruit. So the the whole process of infusing the spirit is obviously where the I assume that's where the oak, bill, yeah. kind of We concept. were infusing it. Yeah. Yeah, the, that's where the concept came from. So I'm curious, can you go over like the the process exactly like? Yeah. This is how we acquire the barrel. This is what we do with the barrel. This is how we infuse it. This is where we get the the whiskey. Like, go over all that for us.
3: So we were doing, you know, we were doing our research in like 2017 on what kind of oak we wanted to use. And I had decided then like I could put little oak slivers in the bottle and break up a barrel and like take little splinter pieces. But I was always worried about someone like getting a, a splinter in their throat or something like that. Like, you know, you can never, you can never be too careful. And so I didn't want to do the, the single bottle infusion. Um, but you know, I I wasn't even calling it finished or even referring to it as a finished whiskey, uh, which it very much is. And and so you know, whether it's a barrel finish or a stave finish, uh, we were doing stave finishing. So we were throwing the broken barrel staves, the big chunks, into the tank. Um, but on a smaller scale, when we were testing it, we were like cutting them up with the a saw and stuff. And then we were doing these infusion, these Gatorade jugs in our office and. Keep in mind it's like 2017, we were still in a 900 square foot third floor like office building. Like that, like if you think about like the show, The Office, like, we were in an office building. Like, with, like if you walked outside of our glass doors, there was like cubicles and stuff. So we were like, you know, we, we took the carpet out of the, the unit we were in and like put a bar in there and like it was cool, we had music playing and you know, we'd, we'd be doing our thing in this office building. Um but yeah, it was a it was an interesting time because what we would do is you'd do Gatorade jugs and we'd dump the samples of whiskey and we would get like five liters of, of each bourbon and we would fill five liters and then we'd put like the chunks in of the staves and then we'd kind of blend, because we didn't wanna like we didn't have enough uh samples to really work with like we didn't have a full barrel to work with and even if we did have a barrel we'd have no way of getting it up to our office like we'd be doing this in the parking lot if we had done that so we were doing this five (laughs) years so yeah we would do French. we did french oak we did x bourbon barrel x rye barrel uh, we did wine cask we tried uh sherry cask and at the time we were getting oloroso because um, you could still get it, people weren't using it that much uh, in America, so you didn't have as many. This is almost six years ago now. You didn't have as many people, you know, clamoring for barrels. So everything was in pretty much in stock and in abundance if you wanted this stuff. So you, you know, we were buying this stuff up, and we would basically blend the different jugs together. So we'd do 40 percent this, 40 percent, and that's how we came up with the first oak bill. And even then we didn't have the name Oak Bill in the first batch we ever did. It wasn't until probably like the fourth or fifth batch that we decided to call it the Oak Bill. And that was on the website. And then by the time we decided, okay, we're going into the broken barrel name for the product, we did the Oak Bill on the label. And that's when things started to really change and the product started to take a life of its own. And we're like, look, we've got this oak bill, we've got this process, we've got this name, broken barrel. So we started doing all that. And by the time, you know, this all started happening, we were, you know, first year was bourbon, second year was bourbon, rye and cast drink bourbon. And by the third year, I was putting out the single oak series, which was the Misonara, the Cask of Amontillado, and then the Isle of Pete. It was a really uh ambitious project for a brand no one had ever heard of um and you know certainly it it has its highs and lows but it was like a crazy experiment to do that so um yeah it was just this whole journey just those first three years especially
1: did you see seth like uh did you see a a spot in the market for this because I mean, there's, you go to any shop in the United States, like Steve and I were just down there. I mean, there's hundreds of bourbons on the shelf and did you kind of look at the market and say, you know, there's a ton of different distilleries. There's a ton of different source bourbons that are just kind of sourcing and blending. And, and was that kind of what drove you to do this? Or was it the infused spirit side of things that drove you to do the
3: Oak bill process? Um, At the time, other than Maker's Mark, I don't think there were that many stave infusion brands. Um, I think maybe 291 was doing the Aspen stave uh, deal, and there were some rapid aging companies that were using staves, but I'll be honest, I didn't... I didn't do the amount of research and I wasn't as into whiskey then as I personally am now, or even a year, two, three, four, five years ago. Um, I didn't do the same amount of research into whiskey that I had done into vodka. Like I knew every brand, what they were selling, what flavors, what existed. And I just knew there weren't any like true infusion companies that had fruit in the bottle. So it was really this white space. With Broken Barrel, I was pretty comfortable in the fact that we had a really good, we had 30 states locked down. We had, they were clamoring for whatever we could make. So. We knew we had a, uh, a group of distributors and a group of retailers that would buy what we would sell them so we knew that if we bought some bourbon that they would they would pick it up and so we went through the first 500 cases people were buying it off of a picture we just sent up a picture a mock-up of what it was going to look like and they were like the purchase orders started coming in and we we're like well we're only making this much so we basically through a spreadsheet, put all the states in, and we're like, "How many is each state going to get?" Like we were allocating that first batch
1: yeah.
3: um, of bourbon, which is and a cool. Is, that's a cool position this, to be in for a for a launch brand, right? Yeah, it was nine, It was nine months old bourbon. Which tells you how much I knew about bourbon or anything. This is nine month old bourbon. And and don't get me wrong, it's it's good enough. And it's 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 not the best bourbon you're ever gonna drink. Or, you know, we were charging twenty nine dollars for it. It wasn't like gonna kill you, but it was certainly young, you know, fiery bourbon. And the next batch that came out was year-old bourbon and then the next batch then they got to straight bourbon and straight rye. And was kind of moved up and up and started adding older whiskeys to the batch until everything was you know a straight whiskey or higher um for everything we make now and that's you know we kind of we're not going up you know astronomically we're not going to put out um an everyday five or six year product i don't i don't plan on doing that at least for the same price point um of the core lineup now which is still in america it's uh you know 29 to 35 dollars depending on where you go yeah so but yeah, it was, it, to answer your question, it really wasn't as, as finely researched. I mean, I knew what was out there, but we were just kind of looking at the big guys, like, okay, there's Redemption and Woodford and Bullet and, and uh, Old Forester. And we were looking at what they had cost and what they tasted like. And we basically went to the store and bought all these whiskeys and then brought them back and we're trying them all side by side. And we're like, okay, can we get... In the same wheelhouse of package product and this for the same price point, and that's what we were looking at. We weren't looking at the craft whiskeys out there that were doing, and there really there weren't that many finished craft whiskeys in 2017, no. let alone stave finished or triple stave finished. And even to this day, you're really not seeing multi stave finish, no. Um, you're just not seeing multi stave I and mean, you're seeing multi barrel. I think you know if you look at like a company like Fourgate, which you know you want to spend two hundred dollars a bottle, you can get a multi stave finish, or yeah, if you want your bottle, you know, literally double dipped in a wax, you can get Good Times, <laughs> um, and you can get you know your cream cherry <laughs> pie. <whatever laughs> shit they're putting out, you know. Um, whereas I think we're a lot more refined, we're a lot more thoughtful. You know, I won't put something out just because somebody wants it or, I have done some custom orders for stuff that you know we kind of collaborated on and you know they wanted a sauterne cask i said okay sauterne let me see if i have a whiskey that that would go with and i kind of like went back to all the barrels i had and beefed everything out and got some sauterne and would do like a 5 ml drop and see how the flavors did together and that kind of stuff so there's you know like you guys like i'd have to have the right whiskey if i was going to do an ice wine cast or something like that wink wink supposed <laughs> well, to
1: save that part for the later in the interview here seth
3: yeah, okay this okay you, so you uh i know
1: sean wants to ask you a little bit more specifically about some of the cast questions uh but before we kind of get going into all that steve always jumps ahead of of our introductory questions so i gotta jump back here to uh you told us and we know you have you have a pretty impressive whiskey collection and you were saying that when you started you didn't do as much research and you maybe weren't as much into the whiskey at the time so when hey tell us about your whiskey collection just in terms of like some of the bottles and stuff but also when did that collection start for you when did you like become
3: a whiskey collector i think i had uh if you go back like eight, nine years, I probably, I was collecting vodkas at first. I was trying to get all the different flavors from all the different brands so that if anyone was like, "Yo, I want to try kettle lemon against your lemon. Like I would have kettle lemon or stally lemon or gray goose lemon. Like I would have all the different lemons from all the major brands so that if anyone were to come and sit in my office, I could literally go, all right, Here's all the lemon vodkas that you might see at a regular grocery store or something. Might be the first person that's ever told me they collected vodka. (laughs) I did, but then then it it kind of morphed because then it became like there's so many cool like crazy vodka bottles. Like I have this bong bottle from Holland (laughs) or the crazy one. Oh god, I can't remember the name Anastasia or something. It's like a it's like a glacier. Um, There's like the the Fudre, is it the Lightning Bolt? Is yeah, it crystal head vodka with the skull? I got the skull. That one I keep like on my coffee table. I love that bottle. Yeah. It's a sick bottle. It's one of the best bottles. Um, not just because it's a skull, but it's actually like a pretty cool skull. It is. Um, yeah. Canadian vodka, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, well, it's actually the same brand as the whiskey shirt I'm wearing, but.
3: Yeah. yeah. They stayed, uh, Go they stayed relevant. Crystal Head has managed to stay relevant, and they've managed to sue every other head-shaped bottle <laughs> company. Yeah, they uh, got, they got money behind them. Money. <laughs> I'm sure they make some money on that too. So, but yeah, no, Dan Aykroyd managed to stay uh, relevant. Um, so yeah, there was there was that kind of going on. It was like first it was the flavored podcast, then it was like enough stuff to kind of have like a full bar so any kind of cocktail you could want i wanted to have all the different stuff to make it then it became like okay these are really cool vodka bottles then i started traveling a lot with my wife in 2016. um we, we were dating for two years and we started going we went to south africa then we went to all over asia or the morocco europe um mexico so we everywhere i'd go i'd buy bottles and bring them back and then there were a few instances where I started training people. Like I just give uh, we had all this um old vodka, like the the tree, the oldest uh, the oldest, oldest vodka bottles. I don't know if you guys seen like oh, these old ones, like these tree ones. Oh cool. Okay. These are our original bottles. So are okay. we had hundreds of cases left. So it was even a time where I started trading into the liquor store owners for actual product. And I started buying up and then I would get like all this great scotch and great whiskey. Then I'd go to trade shows and there'd be like the table next to me. It's like, Oh, here's a bottle. Here's a bottle. And he's like, so you come home with like a case as well. And that, this just started adding up. And then in 2020, I was a podcaster for 2020, uh, 2019, actually through 2021, like through half of 2021, um, and we were just sent a ridiculous amount of, uh, product, like, like Luxco sent us 20 bottles. And, uh, you know, we'd get like the whole lineup of MGP, all the Rossville union, like everything. Like, so now it's like this whole library of stuff. And then I purchased a lot of stuff all the time. And, uh, like my, one of my investors owned a hotel and he, his hotel closed during COVID and they had eight pallets worth of uh booze. So now I have a hundred bottles of wine at work and, and you know another 50 bottles of spirits kind of just jumped into the fold. It. So it's just kind of people come to me, people have brought me stuff just like, hey, try this, keep it, we don't need it. Okay. So, you know, it just kind of adds up.
1: I think I think the most then, the most surprising part about all that is that as a podcaster, people sent you free whiskey. We just we're not seeing that yet. I don't know <laughs> hey, how do we
0: how do we get in that? The problem uh, is that zone where people just send us guys, it's, it's a geographical
2: problem. Canada's not easy to send shit to. And like even even when I think of like through Instagram, I've had at like every American brand has reached out to me being like, Hey, I'd love to send you something. But then when I say I'm in Canada. But you can send it to my in-laws and i'll pick it up six months from now they're like no that's cool <laughs> but like if if we were located just, in the u.s right? don't say the first part just
3: give your in-law address yeah well that's
2: what i started doing and then i would yeah but then but the problem is i would go down there and there would be like 20 box. 20 boxes worth of stuff i couldn't bring it all back with me and then they would get upset that i wasn't posting it sooner and then they would just stop sending stuff. But it's it, Canada, man. That the border is what kills us for sure.
3: But. Yeah, that may that may very well be the case. And we, I, mean, it I was work. I mean, my role on the podcast, aside from being co-host, was to find the guests because I was the industry guy. The other guy, you know, doesn't have a job in spirits. He was a beer uh, judge and a brewer for Golden Road Brewery for a few years, and that was like years before I had met him. Many many years. So he had been out of the industry, but he just has a great talent and was a pretty, you know, um, uh, social guy and, and a really good, really good podcaster. Actually, I was on his podcast. That's how we met. And I'm like, dude, do you want to do a spirits one? And then he dropped that and did the podcast with me. So my whole thing was getting guests. So I had to reach out to brands with this whole pre-written note, like, yo, do you want to be on this podcast? And it was related to you know the whole thing was we sold the podcast we started ten episodes and then we sold the podcast to an uh, e-commerce platform, so that was kind of a cool, you know, had it had a moment. And we you know, created differences, so we split up later on. But yeah, um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting.
1: Are you saying Seth that like more than just your family downloaded it? Like you had other people listening,
3: or like? Well, yeah they had email addresses and they had, a uh, you know, they got a million hits a month on the website. That they owned. So, you know, you, you link up with someone like that and you have a built in audience of potential podcast listeners that love spirits. And so that was always the thing. And then you would tell people like, if you like this, you can buy it on the website. You know, the name of the podcast was the same as the website basically. So we were trying to kind of build a bigger world, um, for this, this brand. Um, I think the biggest problem was that the the product was always too expensive. So I don't know if it translated to sales, but that wasn't our fault. That was, (laughs) that was the sales and, and, uh, accounting departments, I think on that side, but (laughs) either way, it was a great experience. It was really, really fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I met a lot of great people and met a lot of distillers. Um, part of that traveling was I'd go to distilleries and I've now been to like 200 distilleries. So that's been cool too. Wow. That's great. Travis, you need a bigger family. Our email
2: list is basically Travis's family. And it's like 25. <laughs> they, they download each podcast at least 15 times each with Jackson. <clears throat> All right.
4: Uh, so back to Broken Barrels. Um, the one question I have, the first question I had right away was, what's your favorite cast type that you've used either in the staves or period? Oh. Uh, I think Isla,
3: like, I like the, the Scotch cast a lot. So I've done a lot of like Scotch finish, uh, barrel staves. And I don't know if people like it the most, but I like it the most. <laughs> so I keep doing it. I don't know if people are buying it. It doesn't seem to like, that one doesn't seem to fly off the shelf as fast, but the fan Scotch and it is peated. And so you kind of alienate, like the Scotch fans want Scotch and they can get good Scotch for a great price. And American fans want, you know, American whiskey. It is it, kind of like a very small niche. And I always wonder how, like, the Westland and Westward guys all do it because that American malt audience, at least from a consumer standpoint, seems to be rather small. It is. Like, I, I even just when I have a table selling, you know, or sampling bourbon and rye, people are like, I don't know if I'm a rye drinker. And it's like, all right, well, you know, it's not that different. <laughs> compared. it's like, like bourbon and rye are way closer than I'd say bourbon and malt whiskey from any country. So, there's certainly uh, I think it's I think it's an uphill battle to to sell malt whiskey, American malt whiskey, or basically non Scotch whiskey, and uh, non Scotch uh, malt whiskey. I should say seems to be more challenging. I've, I've encountered more challenges. Um, especially trying to do it only as a peated whiskey. So I am doing my first, uh, single malt that is not peated or anything like that. Uh, I finally left it alone and didn't put scotch in my malt, uh, whiskeys. So we are doing an Amaro cask uh, on a malt whiskey, which should be pretty, it's, I tasted it after a couple of days. It was fantastic. So, um, I'll try it. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after or, Two weeks after that, I'm going to try it. It'll have been in there for almost a month, and I'll hopefully get a better sense of what direction it's going in and if it needs anything. But, yeah, that's going to be fun. So, I mean, tomorrow's great. I love the sauterne. I love the Isla cask. Um, I really love the brandy cask. I'm doing a triple brandy cask finish right now for a website called Pastors Club. That's going to be crazy, crazy fruit bomb. It's apple brandy, uh, cognac or grape brandy, and uh, peach brandy all together. No, it's on a bourbon. So it's going to be really you cool. know, sweet, fruity. Uh, it's 111 or 100 proof or something. It's, it's pretty strong. Nice. Good. That, sound, that sounds so good. <laughs> that one's going to be great. We're calling that one uh,
2: cornucopia. <laughs> oh, <nice>. the, it's <laughs> funny. When you came out with the, uh, with the fan Walker, the first one, you used the Ardbeg, Steve, in that, didn't you? Stylist That
3: what? one was, uh, yes, Ardbeg and Sherry, 500 liter Sherry.
2: Yeah, and when, and when you, when I remember when you sent that email and I was like, this is like, I've, it was it was, a, it was gonna be a total weirdo. And I was like, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be tasty. This is like, up up here, we're all about interest. I sent this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just funny because when I got it, I was like, it it was, it was definitely not designed for a bourbon drinker. Bourbon drinkers tend to be at all. out here, Right. And I remember people chatting with me when I was posting it and they're like, what, what, what do you think of that? And I was like, I love it. It's different. It's interesting. Like it, it's a conversation piece. It's, it's exactly what I want in whiskey, but the hardcore bourbon guys were just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I they didn't like it. get into it and they're trying to be nice, of course, cause they respect the brand, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just funny yeah, the yeah. difference <laughs> between a whiskey drinker and a bourbon drinker, bourbon drinkers. And I've always wondered that with you. Do you like, do you, when you're presenting broken barrel, do you, do you find that there's a hurdle there to like with, with the kind of the traditionalist bourbon drinkers? So when, when you're talking about state finishing,
3: um, no, we we get through to most bourbon drinkers. I, you know, I think, I think at this stage with the way, you know, I think there's a prol- proliferation of state finishes and pretty much every company I could think of is offering some kind of state finish, mm-hmm. even if it's just a toasted barrel version, like there's some people are every you know whether it's a craft company they're doing it to stay relevant and put out something new um which is very reminiscent of like craft beer where there's a new ipa or a new juicy this or a xpa or something every week um this is very similar now with whiskey uh you have a new cask finish or a new this or that so you know we're trying to be careful and not like like i'm not putting anything out and just hoping it sells like we have our core items. We're trying to build that core base. We have, we know what we have on, like we have the three bourbons and a rye. And so those are what we're after selling. If there's a higher elevated customer that has bigger, you know, stores or bigger pockets or something and they want their own barrel, we have the reserve of. And then beyond those eight products, um, it's, you know, a conversation that you're gonna have with me uh, about a barrel you know something different something even more specialized than that um and that's a whole different level that we get to and so you know i've done you know luckily it's a lot of e-commerce uh so cases club or shared Poor or flavia or something like that where we are able to have such a wide net of online customers and, and marketability like oh click here by now um that you can do some of these cool projects and total wine's also been really great i should mention um here in the states for any state you know uh uh american listeners on the podcast (laughs) yeah total wine does a great job two or three
1: (laughs) yeah i think think there's a few watts down there yeah yeah we
2: we got some american listeners (laughs)
4: um i kind of want to double back or double up on that question about this uh the different casts and states um is there anything that you have not yet worked with that you really want to or that you've had your eye on besides some ice wine casks, maybe? The ice wine, yeah. Well, I want the ice walker to happen
3: Thanks, real bad.
4: So <laughs> if we can make the
3: ice walker, that'd be awesome. Um, ooh, that's good, actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking the penwalker Walker, too. I haven't had this in a second. It's good. Um, you, I think... Uh, Steve, I think you would like this, like the most of it, because it's really, it's an extra, we put it into, so it was, it was the, basically the Isle of Pete, but we put it back into a barrel, not a broken barrel, but a full barrel, because it had already had the broken barrel process done to it. Oh, no, we put sure. it back in an Ardbeg barrel for a second Ardbeg finish. Wow. Um, for a year and, and a half. That That's for the lead spin walker you did, the second? Like the- yeah, so the Fenwalker 2 is basically oh. another, the thing about the Fenwalkers is they're all blends of 57.5, um, I'm sorry, 52.5 malted barley and 40, we, we did this thing when we made the ILP, we blended one in one, uh, 95.5 wheat malt and 100% malt when you added it together, you got 52.5 foot, 47.5. So um, we had this like these totes full of this stuff. And so we made Isle of Pete. We, made, we actually ended up with so much of it. The barrels were so full that right. we had way too much yield. So by the time we ran out of labels, we still had bottles that were full but not labeled and entire totes full that were not even... Uh, we, then we were out of bottles too. <laughs> so we sat on product that was in bottle for like six months before we dumped that back into a barrel, we put the, the broken sherry and the Ardbeg cast into the toe, and we still had more. And then we even got some Fenwalker back and put that back in a barrel. So it was just like kind of, we're not, we're like every drop goes back into a barrel to become the next Fenwalker. So there's a little bit of life of each of these. So this is basically the Fenwalker uh, one, was kind of a rebirth of the Isle of Pete with different staves. The Fenwalker 2 was just the Isle of Pete put back into an art bank barrel for a year and a half. And then the Fenwalker 3, which will come out next year, will be kind of a blend of both of those, yet again put back into another aard barrel for another year and a half. So that one will be pushing four year, I think, at that point, but all of its life was in these different crazy barrels or tanks or totes or staved, or it's been like in contact with some form of Isla for some period of time. I I
2: almost wish that we didn't talk about this because I'm probably gonna get a hundred messages asking why will or when will this product come to Canada?
1: Yeah, it's not on the first
0: order. That's for sure. No. <laughs> well, no. what were you guys thinking? Why did you not order that?
2: We're it's t- Broken Barrels popular. a popular brand. It's we're we're scratching and gouging for what we can get.
1: <laughs> you got to start yeah. with a. You start with a tease, like a little yeah. a nice baseline, all the core brands, and then we yeah. start bringing in the the real the real crazy shit. That's, yeah. we'll, that's we'll kinda... create something cool with Seth. Don't worry. It'll oh fun. yeah. Yeah, even I I, want to go down and actually smash some barrels with Seth and then smash a
3: barrel and we'll sit in the room and we'll just drink from the barrels and we'll kind of like we can ruminate about what might go with what. But to answer your question, Sean, um I really I can't I can't really talk. I mean, not that anyone I don't you know, I know I'm sure many people, all the listeners are gonna hear exactly what I'm going to say and they're going to run out and buy those barrels the next day and then put, beat me to it. So, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think a lot of it's been exhausted too, is the other part of it. Like a lot of people have gone through the list of what barrels these brokers or companies have to offer and they've run out of ideas. So you're seeing like everyone's doing these tequila casts. It's like, dude, tequila and bourbon do not taste good together. No, like they just don't. And I know that some people have argued against that. And well, have you tried it? They're like, yeah, I have tried it. <laughs> it's not that I didn't like it. <laughs> it was terrible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think bourbon and uh isla barrels go well together at all. Corn and peat are like polar opposites. They it taste, it's like mint and orange. They don't go together. Yeah. So I think that's something I definitely picked up on from the vodka days too, from infusing is knowing how to mix flavors and understanding like you know, it's like, it's like a, a interior designer knows what colors go with other colors and you don't put, you know, uh, I don't, know, I'm making this up here. maybe they go great together, but you don't do like purple and red walls. Like that's crazy. No one would do that. No one fashionable or stylish would do that. And similarly, like I would never put an Isla barrel with, uh, corn whiskey, like a 51% corn whiskey or do a tequila cask with a bourbon. Like, I could see tequila cask rye, maybe, or tequila cask malt. Like, there's, you know, stop saying tequila and whiskey can't find a, uh, a happy medium, but just there's stuff I wouldn't do. Um, there's plenty of stuff I do want to do, combinations that I think are really fun. Like, I'm really happy we're pulling off this cornucopia um, before anyone else has. I don't know if anyone else has done a triple uh brandy cask finish that's all fruit you know uh all brandy's fruit but kind of calling out the different fruits you know apple grape and uh uh peach to do a, a triple brandy cask finished bourbon so i you know i feel um i'm proud of that one and things like that you know that's really good but i was you know i uh, i got a great write-up on the whiskey wash for our reckoner which was a cognac finished wheat whiskey um, which I don't believe that has been done either. Someone took a wheat whiskey and put cognac and French oak barrels in it. So that's kind of a unique. So I'm trying to find combinations. It's not so much a barrel that no one's used, but it's combinations of barrels and whiskeys that no one's thought to put together. Is kind of where we. That's when I go off and, and start, you know, doodling ideas back in California that aren't getting made in Kentucky with the with the everyday stuff.
1: And that's where you say
4: so the, well, oh, sorry, so go ahead on. Sean. I was just gonna just finish up my few questions here um is there anything that you have tried that just didn't pan out, didn't work out whether you thought like you know maybe the flavors would work together and then you know you leave it long enough and you're just like, yeah hey, this isn't working <laughs> um, yeah, I mean we just did a salted caramel
3: stout barrel um that. At first I was tasting it and I'm like, oh, the salt is not diving with the bourbon. So we balanced it out in the Oakville. We ended up changing it last minute to add a lot more ex-bourbon barrel. And that sort of pulled it back into the realm of a bourbon that had all the bourbon characteristics we wanted. There's kind of a funky aftertaste to it. It's not bad. I don't know if it's my favorite whiskey, but it's certainly different from... Some of the other stout barrels we use which have more of a sort of coconut or coffee or chocolate kind of uh, feel to them this was the salt was different i don't think i would mess with salt again if, if in the future if someone said do something that or that has some sort of salt barrel or salted caramel or salted da da da, i wouldn't do it i would i would turn that down next time
1: do you uh you use like we're talking about potentially ruining these, but it's very different than putting whiskey in a cask, right? You're, you're putting the cask in the whiskey. And you said earlier, you were tasting the whiskey like a couple of days after putting the staves in. So you've just finished as Steve refers to it, Hulk smashing a barrel with yeah. your, your ax or your hand, whatever you're using. And, and then you throw the staves in. What is an average sort of um, I guess you want to call it, uh, like like uh, finishing time. Yeah, finishing time in in the in the vats.
3: Um, I'm doing right now in the summer. I'll do like at least 90 days and see where that's at. Um, the longest I've done is 20 months, and the shortest I've done is 30 days. The peach brandy finish it tastes after three days like it does after a month. And and we've done like four, five, six months and it doesn't really change that much after that. Um, I'm sure, you know, it'd be interesting to see what these things do. I mean, the thing with stave finishing is the whiskey, like I just did a three month rye. It's coming on three months and it's got honey and mezcal barrels and we're calling it honey smoke. And this one, like, whiskey has got a nice light flavor to it but it's so dark like we just pulled it out and it's so incredibly dark um and it drinks a lot lighter than the color like the profile and stuff and it's not super viscous like it's not crazy like thick mouthfeel but there's something about stave finishing like it just you have to watch it really carefully and you have to keep looking at it and sampling it and trying it with staves because you do run risks of potentially over the bigger the batch, the less likely that is, but with single barrel, um, like where we take a like there's videos of us doing like a 53 gallon barrel over a 55 gallon drum and the 53 gallon barrel, if it's aged long enough, should have lost a little bit of uh, volume. So you fill it up and you have enough volume left to kind of throw some staves in there. But, you can really over oak a whiskey and, and kind of turn it black even really quickly with state finishing. And that's why you got to watch out for, you know, um, how much, how I many staves you're putting ratio, all that. So,
1: but yeah. I, I thought, I thought a really dark whiskey is is really all that matters, Seth. You're telling me that's not the case. Is that true?
3: No, I mean, <laughs> you, you want to find the right color. You wanna get the right. Yeah. Getting it too dark is, can be, can be off putting.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And we're. I when I said Steve and I should come smash some barrels. Now I'm thinking, we do a Lost in Translation cask. Each of us picks one barrel type we'd like to be involved, and then you pick the perfect combination of percentage of each barrel.
3: That's what I do. Right. I always. Pick, I always pick the percentage because I don't want, you know, people. It's not. It all. It all gets filtered through me. It's not like people come <laughs> in and go. I want a hundred percent. Uh, I don't know an experiment barrel on a bourbon. You know, it's like okay, you just now you're just turning the barrel inside out, basically.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you that like, the th- th- kind of it brings up another question for me. Like, obviously, when you when you're talking a stave, like the inside of the stave is the one that's saturated with the whiskey flavor that it held or spirit or whatever. So when you're putting a whole stave in there, do you end up getting a lot of wood notes coming from it, okay. regardless of like that, because like the only experience I have is with a little two liter mini barrel. And like the first five finish experiments I did with it, you could still taste that, oh, because it's such a small,
3: the mini barrels, know, small little barrel. The mini barrels are totally different than a, a full true barrel. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go
4: off that. Um, those, so you, those, you get what like, I'm saying? Like you only have one surface that's you know saturated into the wood a little bit, but then the rest of it's just yeah. oak.
3: Those mini barrels don't use the same kind of like true thick, you know, oak. It's just yeah. not, not the same. So um, I would I would say you really you it, it, you can't really compare it like that. But the, the short answer is yeah, a lot of our stuffs really woody. We do make woody whiskeys that have a lot more of that kind of double oak type feel to them. But that's where the balance comes in because you use a little sherry cask. and Those are just like, that's our sugar, basically. But it's refined and it's fine and it's nice sugar. So.
2: When you use, a, you use a French
3: oak stave in almost all your... Yeah, French oak staves. That's secret. like the base, right? French oak is fantastic. Yeah. Gotta use French oak.
2: So obviously like the the character that's drawn from the French oak and it acts as a base for the rest of them to kind of meld with, I imagine.
3: Yeah. The new French oak with the medium toast is kind of our baseline. So we use that as a way to pull back on sugar. So if, if anything is looking like it's too sweet or potentially to be too sweet, we often will throw in an X bourbon, X rye or and uh, in most cases, French oak, uh, as a means to balance the whiskey and give it sort of uh, <clears throat> a more better,
2: like, well-rounded... So when you create the oak bale, you typically throw... Do you throw the staves in all together, or do you do it in stages or... No, like together. All together. But it's, I'm sure there's times where you, like, throw staves in, and you're like... like do you ever throw where you're like, oh man, it could use a little bit of this. Let's put some different kind of steak in it for a little bit. Or is it just typically decide what it mm-hmm. is, put it in, and that's what it is?
3: Not anymore. I mean, it's the, the core lineup. We know the recipe. The recipe works, it wins the awards, it gets yeah. the scores. So um You know, you know what to expect now that you've been doing it for long. Yeah, for the core stuff, it's it does change. I mean, if we if we have a stubborn batch that needs a few more staves to really pick up more flavor will add in more as long as it's still in the ratio the oak bill tells you the ratio but it doesn't tell you how many staves so
2: no do you cut up the staves
3: no no no. like you know the individual staves you know uh, from the barrel around but the you know whether it's 40 staves 80 staves 100 staves it doesn't tell you that information on the bottle but it does tell you the ratio so if we're starting with 40 staves and where it's not enough you know we need to add uh 10 more as long as those 10 staves are continuing the ratio then we're good
2: okay gotcha um t- to touch on green river distilling how did that relationship come to and and like when when did they start being your exclusive kind of a producer of of bourbon a uh, bourbon and rye i'm i'm assuming is is what Yeah I, for the core lineup that yeah, yeah, your, core... your core lineup like i'm sure that there was a there was an importance to you that you wanted to have a Kentucky distillery for for your brand i'm sure
3: Yeah we love the idea of a Kentucky bourbon we thought if we're going to do bourbon let's go to Kentucky and find someone who can sell it to us we met them at a trade show we got samples of their bourbon we took that back. We liked the taste of it. We asked for way more. They sent us way more. And we worked with them. And we tried MGP stuff and, and we tried several other products, but we thought it was more interesting to kind of work with them. Again, they weren't, it was way before they were Green River. They were Terra Sentia, and they had just rebranded the distillery as Oz Tyler about a year before we met them. And they had only been distilling for under a year when we met them. So that's why the bourbon was nine months old. That's the oldest they had in 2017 that they could sell us. So we started with them in late 2017 and by September, a year later 2018, I had gone out there and visited them and I was just blown away with the history, the site, the the, the whole story. It just really captured my attention that they're like the, the 10th oldest distillery and there's so much history there to kind of fall back on. So, you know, Uh, I love the whole team there. Jacob's amazing. He's a, he's a great distiller. Um, one of the best I've ever met spoken with or had the pleasure of like going around with, um, him and Steve Nally. Steve Nally's also really cool. I got to drink with Steve Nally. That was awesome. (laughs) Those two guys are both really, really good distillers. Um, and yeah, it was just fascinating. So, uh, you know, we were buying the whiskey from them, but sending it to our vodka production plant um, that we were working with in Nevada. So we're actually doing all the aging and finishing and breaking barrels in Nevada. And then in 2019, we went away from Green River to do the single oak series because we wanted older whiskey at that point. So I bought some five-year, some 12-year, you know, Because you could get that stuff, you could just get 12 year, whatever you wanted. But I was blending and I was finishing, doing all that. And by in 2020, for the launch of Broken Barrel under the name Broken Barrel, we had fully gone grain to glass. Also, we had grown the brand to a size where we could meet their minimums. I mean, we were like so small; we were doing like a few barrels here and there uh, up to that point. So then, once we had those numbers from the Single Oak series, we went to them and said, "Look, we're we're." getting into the 5,000 case range, you're like, let's, let's talk. And that was 2020. So, you know, and, uh, yeah, it, never looked back. It's been really great. You
1: Seth, in some of your interviews, I've heard you talk about, um, just like podcast interviews, but you've, you've talked about pricing quite a bit and you talk about, you know, just how, where these sit in the market and what you're getting for that price point and we can talk about kind of I think Steve will have an idea of kind of where these are going to sit price-wise in the Alberta market and we'll talk about the launch here but uh, what was it what, was it really important to you to get these at a certain price point point? and did you look at other bourbons in the market and other rise and say we need to be here before you came to that conclusion
3: yeah extremely uh, important that these were available and affordable I don't want to make a whiskey that people just kind of like keep like I I don't want you know it's be fun to see somebody with like a million broken barrel b- bottles unopened behind them but that's kind of like you know that's dumb to me I, I want people to drink the stuff and drink it again and again so I need to see like repeat purchases from people and so the the affordability of it and the availability of it was really important so yeah making sure that it was, you know, a bourbon that everyone could get their hands on for at least in America under 40 bucks and cast strength under 50 bucks. Like that's kind of an important thing for me. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know how many cast strength bourbons are going to be on the market for that price point, but I'd, uh, I, uh, I think it's, I think uh-huh. they're going to, what's that? that not much here? No. Much. And I think they're going to sit very well. You know, very well on the on the market here in terms of where they're gonna sit. We don't know exactly what they're gonna come out at, but we've kind of been hinting to people like they'll be around this, and people seem to be pretty excited about you know where they're gonna sit, and that's an innovative brand with a good price point, which is you know, there's been some launches in Alberta lately where the price points you just kind of like woo. Um, so to see to see some to see this brand coming in. And a common bourbon drinker or rye drinker can go buy a bottle without having to worry too much about it. I think it's gonna go really well. So yeah, yeah there's not
2: there's not many cast strength quality bourbons out there for what I would say under ninety dollars, right? Oh yeah. Especially up here. Um and like a, yeah, like we're gonna land in the 75. To 80 i'm thinking retail is that that's what we're kind of hoping for so it's it's going to be really well priced it's going to be priced against some some good competition and it's it's just going to be a more um, ex- i think it's going to be a more accessible ball, for yeah. like like the small batch and stuff going to be at a great price range That it, um it's it's going to be it's going to be an easy product to sell that second bottle. Travis and I talk about that all the time, where it's like second bottle. Yeah, the first the first bottle is always easy to sell, especially when it's something new. It's how do you sell the second bottle, right? And that's that's the key. I think Broken Barrel is going to. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to do really well. I agree. What do we talk? <laughs> that's what I hope. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. What do we talk about the uh, what we're what we're launching? Travis. Like we're so we're doing the four your four core products. Seth, I don't know if you want to get into each of those.
3: Sure. Yeah. It's uh uh three bourbons and a rye whiskey. One of the bourbons is our California oak, which I think you guys are at least were sipping on earlier. Uh, and that's our wine finish, kind of like you know, I'm i I'm from born and raised California. So that one is basically, you know, California wine mixed with Kentucky bourbon put it all together and you have kind of two great production like home states like everyone kind of accepts and understands that california makes some of the best wine in the world mm-hmm. and kentucky makes bourbon 95 percent of it in the world so uh why not put these two great things together and kind of connect to like you know where our brand is from kentucky and where i'm from california and kind of do that as one and do it 88 proof make it approachable make it really really easy and sippable nothing nothing's going to throw even like the lightest whiskey drinker is going to be able to kind of throw that back and and enjoy it and not really you know it's not going to be too sweet it's not going to be too strong it's just kind of a nice point uh to start with then you go up a little bit to small batch which has the sherry cask and the french oak and the ex bourbon oakville and that's our yellow one that's uh, 95 proof uh, Kentucky straight bourbon, uh, predominantly corn, same mash bill as the California Oak. Uh, and then you take that same Oak bill, take out all the corn, and then you have your rye whiskey, the heresy rye, which is the 105 proof. And then go back to that last one, small batch, add 20 proof, and you've got your castrate and that's the lineup. Yeah. And we,
1: I mean, we're sipping the, I, th- I messed up. I said Calio, but we actually do have the small batch. So we have the, yeah, we have the 95 proof 47.5%. Um, I don't, Steve, what's this going to, so these are all, these are all going to be launched. We're launching with um, with wine and beyond here in Alberta. So um, we're going to have a big launch starting in July, which is probably when we'll launch this podcast as well. So people, it'll, people across the province will have access to it. And, and again, Steve, I don't know what, what do you think the approach? I don't want to say a price and then, and then maybe higher and get in, in trouble. trouble but.
2: We get in trouble when we speculate for yeah. stores, but yeah.
1: But this, uh, what do you guys think of this small batch that, that, did, that just tried it? Small, I
0: really like it. It's super yeah.
1: good. Yeah. The small batch the Burbank, cali
2: oak Burbank. Burbank? Burbank? Yeah. and the rye should they should retail in like the 65 dollar mark i'm thinking in, right in there which would be which which is yeah is a great great price point for a, like a, for a, a bourbon or a whiskey this of this quality yeah i think it's gonna crush it at that price point. but in canada
0: that's an easy no, down, down south What's that, Sean? And that's an easy $65 sale. Like, that's a really good bourbon.
4: And I was just going to say, like, on my shelf, I'm uh, obviously I don't have a huge bourbon collection, but I'd pay 65 for this all day and keep it on my shelf.
3: Yeah, it's good. What of- is I mean? U.S. prices, like, we're $35, U.S. dollars. So I don't know how that compares Canadian dollars or if that's, like, a 65 is, like, a... I don't know the conversion rate or whatnot, but <laughs>
2: thirty-five is like fifty to fifty-five conversion. Oh, okay. And then you add our hilarious tax system.
3: Yeah, so you guys have crazy taxes, and <laughs> your dollar is higher than our. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it. To, tax taxes are quite a bit higher up here, but it's yeah, like it'll yeah. Like, what's a bottle of Tito's? Like, what's Tito's cost you?
2: Uh, Tito's
3: stuff. I don't know anything about vodka. Thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Okay. Yes, yeah, so your so Tito's is eighteen. So yeah. it's like,
2: like it's one it's, and a half times. Yeah, it's it's a quantity game too, right? Like Tito's ships in ten thousand pallets, and and every uh, white girl wasted <laughs> chick drinks about three bottles a month.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's. Yeah. Like for when it comes to whiskey products like this, it's, it, it's always going to be 15% more than the conversion typically 15 to 20% more just because of taxes and stuff. But let's, let's, let's get off the, the price. The, <laughs> the pricing conversations usually bore
1: people. Yeah. It's, it's boring, Nobody but it's it's, it's good to just point out that these are going to be affordable, boring. accessible across the province bourbons. You don't have to, Worry about well, oh, what what boutique store they're, they're going to be in wine and beyond to start, and that's it's it's going to be a a good launching point. And the last thing is the this heresy. The, sorry, how do I say it right, Seth? Heresy. 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 Right. <laughs> which um, just won double gold, right, at San Francisco.
3: We got double gold, San Francisco. We got a ninety-three points from the tasting panel. Um, a ninety. Sorry, we didn't get a Wine Enthusiast yet because they hadn't reviewed rye, only bourbon. And then uh, uh, Platinum from Fred Minnick's new show, competition. Everyone's got to have a competition. <laughs> BWS got to have a spirit competition. That's <laughs> where the real part
2: of that when we can. How much can we charge
3: for rewards? Oh, just like a five hundred dollars per skew. Send two bottles. You want to. You want to get eleven hundred bottle whiskey collection. Just run one successful season. But that's the best scam of all. <laughs> just do the, you know, Alberta or British Columbia spirits competition. You'll get a million bottles in. You charge five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, per entry, you send some fancy medals around or JPEG. Don't even send a medal. Create a JPEG. Go on Fiverr. Have someone do a logo for you, and you're off to the racing, man. Then you have you have 1,200 bottles.
1: <laughs> Seth, we're just trying to get through one successful episode. Let's let's start with that before we worry about a, a full season here. Okay.
0: I don't know, man. This might be the best idea anyone's ever had for us. I think we should do it. I think we should just run a competition.
4: I just what surprise, surprise, uh, guest judge Seth from Broken Barrels coming yeah. out as judge.
3: <laughs> yeah, surprise guest judge. And just take some stock photos of some like really nice suit, like you know, fat, fat guys that just know you know they've like eaten and drank everything there is to do, and they just look like they have a great palate. Just put them on the I website. Really pe- you're painting a Fred
2: Manick store or a picture right now for me. <laughs>
3: Now this
1: uh what do you guys think of the rye whoever had i guess sean k didn't have the rye sample i'm just the the nose on this thing alone is it's
2: good yeah that's that's a very drinkable rye especially at its proof it's it's good right. and you can you can you can taste like you can pull that the sherry out of it i think like fairly noticeably for me i don't know what you think or what you think Trav.
1: Yeah, what's the percentage of Sherry on the oak bill on this one?
3: 20, 20.
1: Yeah, but it's not... And again, this is, I think, part of the balancing act you have to do when you're throwing these staves in, but yep. the Sherry isn't... It's not overpowering. It's present. Um, you know, a little bit drying, probably. Like, there's yep. definitely some drying factor there, but... Um, but also sweet.
3: It's like... It's, I feel like it adds a little sweetness, actually. Uh, the drying... Could be uh, a little bit that French oak, which pulls back that sweetness. Okay. The sherry is kind of giving you a little bit more of that kind of sugar. I mean, there could be some acid and tannins and stuff uh, on some of those, depending on how dry the barrel's gotten and whatnot. But yeah. What kind of sherry cask? It varies. varies. Or lineup, it varies. The so sherry you know, varies. cask and those kind of things, right? Yeah. That's our batch variation, we like that shit. Used to be Oloroso, now it's PX. Used to be Oloroso uh, in the old original bottles. The first three batches, one, two, and three were Oloroso sherry. Which- and actually back then we used to take the old Oloroso. We were, before we came up with the oak bill, which is obviously a much better concept, we were gonna like try this thing called the mother sherry, where we just kept reusing the same sherry from batch one again and, again and again and again and again, and like have those sherry staves like on a string that like went in and they got pulled out and they went into batch two and uh, We were gonna call it the mother sherry, but we came <laughs> off that idea by the second batch. We're like, this is dumb.
1: Yeah, it loses its uh its activity. Yeah. We're gonna. I think we're. I might call this one rye rye for wine drinkers because we're, we're still trying to grow the, 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 the rye market here. It's we're still kind of lagging behind the United States and the growth down there. Um, it's coming. And I think we're bringing in some really good ryes into the market that are changing people's opinions. But, uh, I think something like this with a little bit of, of Sherry influence, I think is going to, it's going to maybe entice some, maybe sh- some Scotch drinkers to trying it and stuff like that. So,
3: That's funny because we're all drinking Canadian rye down here, so (laughs) that's crazy. All right, Sean, do you want to pull the
1: bung?
4: I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you.
1: What do you want to know? What? Face water, dear. Say what again, I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth.
3: Okay, short answers. Here we go. Ready? Yeah.
0: Favorite Broken Barrel
3: release? Uh, Plank Walker.
0: All right, favorite non-broken barrel bourbon.
3: Oh god. Uh the 10 year from Bardstown Collaboration number 1.
0: Jeez. Very specific. Peacock okay. feathers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: my favorite bourbon.
0: <laughs> my uh, favorite non-broken barrel rye.
3: Ooh. Uh Let's go Millstone Rye from the Netherlands. Oh, nice, nice.
0: Nice, nice.
3: Pick. Um,
0: okay, a city in Canada you'd love to come up and do a
3: tasting in. Oh, uh, I want to visit Alberta Premium Distillery just to go check that out uh, at some point. So I guess that uh, Alberta, I don't know, it's a product. It looks, it looks like a the natural there. gas plant. <laughs> that's okay it's though. Very uninteresting. Okay. It's yeah, very. Not a, <laughs> as long as they've got a tasting room and will let me sample stuff, I'm good. We'll, we'll uh, take enough. you. Fair enough. We'll take you. There. That's right. where th- that's where I want to go. Okay. Uh,
0: your most treasured bottle in your whiskey collection?
3: um I would say there's a bottle of Bruch Lottie, um I even forget what it's called. It's uh, the distillery. Ex- exploration something it's like a frosted bottle mm-hmm. of scotch but my wife snuck off and got it for me um it's funny we both snuck off and got each other gifts without telling each other I gave her hers like right away and then she held on to my this bottle she got me for a long time so it's really special so I haven't opened it yet I'm sure it's gonna be fantastic and it's actually one of the most expensive bottles I have um because it's really hard to find really hard to get but I've pointed it out in the shop. I go, Oh, that's cool. It's that. And then she went back to that shop and bought it for me. So
2: awesome. they did a, they did a number of releases. So the, Hey Sean, you, you've got a couple of them, don't you at home? Can, can yeah, you, I've got three of them. Three of, task one and then one of the other ones, but yeah, there, they, we, we get a few yeah. of them up here and they were super popular and it's, well, they're popular with the enthusiasts but not like people didn't know what they were. It was actually kind of interesting. Um,
0: um, Steve, this is the lightning round. Sorry. No, yeah, only- we only made it halfway through before we got tangent <laughs> off to the left. Okay. Uh, next question. Gin, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Uh, day drinks or night drinks? Both.
3: Both. <laughs>
0: Both. What is your spirit animal?
3: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> A Dragon. <laughs>
0: All right. What is the California state bird? I don't know. (laughs) The California quail. Obvious. Obvious. Is
3: that the right answer? That sounds wrong. (laughs) No, I Googled it. It's got to be right. And
0: tap water or sparkling water?
3: Uh, sparkling water made with tap water on my soda streams pretty fine oh nice (laughs) Oh,
0: nice! okay very good that concludes concludes the not so lightning lightning
1: round (laughs) hey Seth we've been we've been meaning to start doing this but we have a segment called pulling the bung where we give our where we let not pulling the bung uh grinding of malts where Sean basically comes up with a topic and he just kind of rants and he's like, it's something he's not happy about. Is there anything you want to grind a malt about in the whiskey industry? Anything that's been bugging you lately? Because this is your opportunity to get it off your chest.
4: Well, I've never been one for meeting new people or doing new things or eating new types of food. I've had the same haircut since 1978 and I've driven the same car since 1991. I've used the same wooden comb for three decades. I have one bowl. I still get my milk delivered by horse. Are you going to tell a man that he can't fart in his own car? I don't want to seem overdramatic, but I don't really care what happens here. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to stay angry. I find that relaxes me. This is my hell.
3: I would say I'm pretty baffled of the promotion of this gin bean product coming out uh, that is $80 MSRP and is limited edition, which is likely to be scarce or you know hit secondary. And they're advertising hard that it's just two years old. What? it's 80 bucks retail it's called hardens creek or something like that and it's uh hayden's creek i can't remember the name but it's uh it's a two-year-old bourbon and their msrp is 80 bucks and just goes against everything like
2: is it just a, like it sounds like
3: they're like it's like unless the bourbon malts were like eaten by a cat and shot out and then distilled <laughs> or something i don't see i don't i mean this is jim beam too like you can go buy in a cat like, like bakers bakers is a thing it just said seven years on there and it's 60 bucks in the u.s at least yeah like i can go get bakers right now 60 for a single barrel and like i've pretty much never had a bad one Mm -hmm. or i can go get old granddad which is a straight bourbon so it's at least two years old and it's 114 proof and it's 29 or something like that down here that's one of the best goddamn whiskeys that you know you can get so wow it's it's just amazing to me that that's a thing and that it's being advertised as such. I think it's really, it's almost like the product's coming out so that this big conglomerate company can kind of lick their finger and like just touch the, the, the industry and go, will you give me your money for this? And it's like doing that and you're like, this isn't even like a product, this is a probe. They're testing, where is whiskey at? What can I get away with? And it's kind of crazy. feels It feels that way to me. I think a lot of industry people, or not industry, but Instagram people, because there is a difference. Yeah, uh, subtle, but but there is one, and it's. uh, I think people are picking up on that too. I'm not the only one.
2: Us Instagram people are far more important than the industry people. I agree. (laughs) But it's it's yeah. I was going to say by crazy you mean bullshit because that's kind of what it sounds like right it just sounds like a. it just sounds like i don't know just kind of spitting, spitting at the at the drinker and well, like uh, the, or throwing throwing a line like throwing a, a line out with, with no bait
3: daniels, you know the jack daniels 10-year it's like that kind of stuff is the fact that it just goes for hundreds of dollars when it's supposed to cost not like I get the whole secondary market, but it's so funny how these things work. Like Russell's Reserve comes out with a 13 year, which i got the taste, and then someone gave me a full little sample of it. And like, it's so crazy that that product comes out and it, you cannot find it to save your life. But Russell's 10 year, f- I've seen it for $27. Just sit and sit and sit and sit and it's I'm just looking at people like It's a decent person too. And it's cheap. Do you see the the tenure right there for twenty something, thirty, low thirties? Like <laughs> it's crazy. I don't get why people do you look at my collection, like I don't sit there. My collection's not like patties and stuff, but I do, you know. I do have four or five bottles of of Russell's 10 because it's great bourbon. Like if someone really wanted to come over and didn't want Broken Barrel and wanted to just pound whiskey, I'll put that bottle down and be like, guys, finish it. And if you want more, I got more. Just, just knock yourself out. I do that with Heaven Hill Green. I do that with uh, 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 Old Granddad 114 or even like the classic like Medley Bros, 102 proof or 101 proof or whatever. Uh, it's like easy throwback stuff that's just tasty, delicious, you know, good stuff. This is crazy, people go after and spend that much money. It's like for 200, $300, you know, on this Russell 13, you could get 10 bottles of 10, <laughs> 10 bottles <laughs> right now at the same store. <laughs>
1: I feel, I feel like, we almost just have to end it here because I feel like you have just spoken for Sean Kincaid, but just like a, a different brand. So Sean will do this exact same rant about a different brand. And now he doesn't even have to talk. You've spoken for him. He's just <laughs> smiling and loving every word of what you said. We, <laughs> we, well,
4: while, while you were, while you were grinding your malt, I looked it up and yeah colonel james b bean kentucky straight bourbon whiskey under it's like a weird jacobs creek or something like that hardens creek hardens creek yeah and yeah it literally says that they get more flavor out of it for two years than most bourbons do after a number of years and it's made in the old freddie no style and I was like, okay, but, but then you look at the like the notes on it, the flavor notes on it sounds like a two-year-old bourbon. Kind of, like so, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just
3: it just I don't <laughs> if you told me they sent the barrel to like Arizona and the sun sucked all the water out of it and you know you sent it back to uh, Kentucky for you know for another two years, like then maybe you have a story, but like we, I feel like at this point, we've tried every barrel from every warehouse that Jim Beam's got in one brand or another, whether it's Booker's or Baker's or Granddad or Knob Creek or actual Jim Beam, like I think we've seen what you got. We've seen it. There's nothing you're gonna like pull out of a magic hat. Like you're not pulling a rabbit out of your hat. You're like oh wait, wait, wait a second. Warehouse G, Row 94. We found a two-year. It tastes like a 19-year. Yeah, That's was, that was great.
1: You know what? Like after the Oilers win the Stanley Cup here, you could make like. A, <laughs> a broken barrel release and just call it like 97, 97 staves and just sell it up here. We'll sell it for 300 bucks. It'll be for Connor McDavid's number 97. And, okay. and we'll just call it, we'll just call it 97 staves and charge a fortune for it and see, we'll just, we'll probe the
3: market up here and see how it goes. I try not to, pro- I don't want to probe, you know, <laughs> But I, I've got like I got some barrels in today. Uh, we got a, a pallet in with three barrels on it that were, they'll be they'll be six year in November, and I'm pretty damn sure they're hovering around 140 proof. Jeez, oh, I'm excited about that. That's well, gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah i, I want to do something like that is well i want to i want to see that 130 on the label in the big font like i just dying to get something that was that strong hazmat um, yeah i haven't yet well, well hazmat's what has uh, 70 isn't it 760? no 70 70 70. yeah so mm-hmm. if i can get over 70 after the stave finish because sometimes the stave finish if it's some of the more absorbent types of oak they can actually suck some of that ABV out of there yeah. Um, so we, you know, well, if I can get something 140 you or in the high one thirties, I'd be very happy with that, but I'm going to have to use something really sweet and sultry, like really, um, really, you know, impactful and flavorful. Um, yeah.
2: so go, oh, man, we're excited. We're excited for everything broken barrel has coming. Honestly, like you guys have, you guys have really grown in the last couple of years. So there's, there's a, I think there's a super bright future for broken barrel. And we, we obviously really appreciate you coming on and, and we're going to have some fun launching this brand and, and oh, talking yes. about it, posting it just like, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be great. Oh, Travis is pointing at me like he's got something to
1: say. No, I was just saying we should, we'd be remiss not to add that um BC just, just, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's uh, right. Wilkenberg the Cali Oak in the BC Spirits yeah. release, which is pretty cool. So it uh, which should, which release was it? Was it the California? We should Oak? send that
2: to you, Seth, because no. BC's put the that the old style Cali Oak bottle in a spirits release, and like it. This is a spirits release with like Macallans and Ardbags and um, like Elijah P- Craig and like a lot of big hitters and then there's broken barrels sitting <laughs> on the fifth page with them so it's it's a new product they're excited about it uh, bc liquor bought um all that all the old uh okay great yeah we'll bottle cali oak so it's um yeah let's go through it and they get the new one in yeah and then yeah exactly then we'll work on getting some new one out that way but that that's pretty that's yeah that's a
3: it's a good call travis i'll, I'll send that to you Seth, so you can see it awesome yeah. Awesome. That's exciting news guys. I'm I'm happy to hear it and I look forward to uh, getting up there and, and maybe, you know, let's we'll chat uh, this week and next about that first week in July. Let's see if I can figure a time out to go up there and maybe come for one or two nights and see what that works. Yeah, no, that sounds good to us, buddy. No. We appreciate awesome. the time man we know you are staying up late for this, so How you guys too. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it all right take care guys take care that
0: was awesome hey there thanks again for listening to lost in translation podcast if you'd like to connect with the show feel free to reach out to each of us on instagram at park.whiskey edmonton scotch club dark cloud whiskey and yeg whiskey nights You can connect with the show also via email at lostandtranslation at gmail.com and check out some show clip videos on our YouTube channel, Lost and Translation. Thanks again, everyone, and have a good one.